Welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Conversation. I'm Dusty White. I'm here with Pastor Bob Thune of Cormdale Church and Pastor Chris Hemelman of First City Church. And every Wednesday, we sit down to talk about how the gospel of Jesus Christ connects to the questions and issues of everyday life. And today, we're talking about Gen Z and spiritual renewal. Hey, we finally get to talk about an encouraging topic on this podcast. Instead of talking about war and de-churching and everything Negative falling things. apart, the world falling apart. Gen Z is where it's at, guys. Kids walking away from the faith and all that kind of stuff. So uh, recently, recently being October 9th, 2023, uh, there's a post on the Gospel Coalition. Five reasons Gen Z is primed for spiritual renewal. The authors are Kyle Richter and Patrick Miller. Uh, I kind of know of these guys. I've, I've not spent a lot of time with them personally, but they're both pastors in Columbia, Missouri. Dusty, I think you sent us this article. I was like, hey, this is encouraging. You guys should I did. This. I did. It was encouraging to me because I have kids in this bracket yeah. who are experiencing some spiritual renewal uh, among their peers. So that was fun. And then we read this with our church staff team a couple of weeks back, and it led to some good dialogue. And so we brought a guest on the podcast today. We were like, whoa, hey. Whoa, really? Hey, you know what? We're not. We're not Gen Z, but so we're like, E-Beth do we know is. anybody? Do we know anybody? Welcome, Ebeth Hempel, to the Wednesday conversation. Thank you. Ebeth is our communications guru rep. and are also our Gen Z. Well, one of the Gen Z reps on the Quarmdale staff team. What are the what are the boundaries of Gen Z? Uh, nineteen ninety seven to twenty twelve. So twenty six years old, which is me. That's to like eleven you- years old. So it's a pretty. You're like on the outer outer end of yeah, that. I refer to this as I'm 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 a geriatric Gen Z. Yeah, you're almost a millennial. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So like, like really right in the the edge. Okay. Yeah. So this is all, and like you said, your kids, my kids are in this yeah. in this bracket. I don't even know who comes up with these names. How do they get the Z? Somebody Gen- decides because they're all on Zoom for school. Because there isn't a generation Y, right? There's I don't know. X millennial. Yeah, we skipped it. Z. Gen Y might be after Gen Z, like. 2011, 2011 and oh yeah, possibly smaller. So thanks for representing Gen Z on the podcast today, yep. Beth. Uh, <laughs> there's a whole generation gap between us and you. I'm Generation X. I don't know. I guess you guys yeah. are too. So same. So there's no millennials in the room. Just we went Gen X and we just went. Let's just go grab mm-hmm. a Gen Z representative. Mm-hmm. Now let me just mention as a writer. Anytime you see a headline that's five reasons for X, what that tells you is some editor was like, hey, you know what you should write is a piece that's five reasons for, you know this, Ebeth, because oh, you're yeah. like all about SEO. It's and always like, it's always an odd number. Yeah. It has to yeah. be above three, yeah. but beneath 11. Like nobody gonna, nobody's going to read like 13 reasons, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So five is like perfect. So what I'm yeah. saying is like, I guarantee what happened is these pastors were like, hey, we're seeing some cool things among Gen Z. And some editor was like, hey, would you write a piece about that and make it five reasons? So, you know, so. why the odd number? Have you ever like seen an article that's like four reasons for something or two? No, I didn't even, yeah. now that you mentioned it, I'm like, wow, that's yeah. true. It's always an odd number. If you A-B test an article, if it was like six reasons versus five, five will win. I don't, it's something about the human psyche. Yep. It's the yeah. same reason yep. why if you're decorating your house, you got to have a three candles, but not yes. two or yep. not four. Yeah. So there's something about odd numbers that feel a little bit more final or have like a I nice end cap on them. You trust mm. it. You just trust a five. Listeners, you know? if you know yeah. the reason why the odd numbers work, Wait please email podcast. I'm so intrigued now. We, <laughs> we want to know. Five was my baseball number. So I'm going with it. Wow. Okay. So mine was 11. Odd well, number. There wow. you go. Odd number. Overachiever. 
So these authors uh, want to convince you and convince us that Generation Z is primed for spiritual renewal, that um, actually some of the things that are happening among younger generations are really encouraging and should be really encouraging to Christians. All of us, especially if you listen to this podcast, we talk a lot about like cultural dynamics that are maybe either discouraging or challenging. And so you're probably, if you're a listener to the Wednesday conversation, you're like, oh yeah, man, the world's really falling apart out there. Hope the church can make it. We have <laughs> some good news for you. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Man, Gen Z, the Gen Holy Z. Spirit is at work. That's and, right. Uh, this is encouraging. So I want to just walk through the five reasons that they identify that they feel. And these, these um, Kyle Richter works with college students. There's a big college ministry at the crossing in Columbia. That's uh, hundreds of college students. And so he's, he's sort of writing with firsthand knowledge of what he's seeing in his church. And basically what he says is, hey, I've talked with a bunch of other people that work in college age ministry. And this isn't unique to our church. There's some really interesting things happening across the country. Now he says, some will urge caution before drawing conclusions. Isn't this the era of de-churching, deconstruction, and rising nuns? But data lags behind reality, and we don't want the church to miss what may be happening. In the wake of the Asbury revival last spring, it looks as though the Holy Spirit is priming the souls of hundreds of thousands of teenagers and young adults for renewal. So I think it's interesting. They're saying, hey, we're seeing this. It's a real thing. I don't have yeah. the. I don't have data. I don't have like sociological cross tab data, but I have evidence that this is happening. All right, let me let me give you the five reasons they say Gen Z is primed for spiritual renewal. Number one, isolation during the pandemic created a hunger for belonging. Number two, disillusionment with ineffective, abusive, hypocritical leaders is creating a hunger for sincere, humble, transparent leadership. Number three, pervasive anxiety is creating a hunger for deep peace. Number four, digital self-projection and self-perfection are creating a longing for real, non-judgmental sincerity. And number five, the loss of places of belonging is creating a hunger for healthy institutions where Gen Z can find mentors. All right, so which of these have you seen most clearly in people that you know? Like, which of these would you say, yep, this one's definitely the case? Because anytime somebody lays out five things, I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe all five are true. But which one would you say you've seen most clearly, Beth? Uh, the fourth one. So the idea of digital self-projection and self-perfection, creating a longing for real life, like just relationships. So the idea of authenticity is like huge, but like it's all on social media specifically. I feel like I see all these a lot framed and influenced by social media, which is kind of like, if you read this article, it's not overt, but it's there. Um, and what I notice about that one is like, even sad moments where people claim to be authentic on Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, are very curated where you're like, how, how did you have a video of yourself crying? Like, <laughs> like enough to yeah. make a compilation. Yeah. Right. So you're like, I didn't know, even, hey, I didn't know people, I'm not on there enough, oh but man, yeah. people, That's, people have videos of themselves crying. Yes. Yes, which wow. I, so, and, and it's very, like, it's very odd to be, like, even your own personal, real-life emotional moments are being captured on camera. Mm. And so that one, I can see how, especially people who are teenagers and are, like, this is what I'm seeing as normal and coming from adults who are being influenced by social media trends from Gen Z. So these are millennials. These are, you know, your generation, 
like boomers even, like who are social media savvy, it's like, it's just very curated. So mm. the idea of authenticity, I think, is one thing where they, even when they think people they look up to, influencers are being authentic, they don't even see past that and see that that is curated as well. Mm. So that's just something I've noticed. So you think that does create a longing for real yeah. relationships? Because I think people feel that something is off about that, but they don't know. But they're like kind of internal. Like why Like why does all of this feel so sad and feel so hard to understand? Because they are not noticing that this emotion that's being portrayed to them is also inauthentic. And so they're like, what am, what's my disconnect? Why can't I feel mm. these true emotions if, if that's what authenticity is supposed to look like? Hmm. They just, they just, uh, it's something they're like, what is real? Like what is I, when they experience that, they're like, okay, this, I can see how this is different than what I'm seeing on social media. Hmm. I think for me, it's number five, uh, as I've observed my oldest son going to college and last year and meeting some guys, it was very low bar hmm. for people to be invited to church, uh, for him to have influence on his peers and experience baptism among one of his roommates, it just seemed very ripe for, it just seemed ripe and, and low bar mm. for, it was just like, there weren't a lot of barriers for a place to belong. And I think they're hungry for healthy institutions where Gen Z can find mentors. When they mention that in number five, that reminds me of Titus where people are looking for spiritual, you know, spiritual fathers need to have spiritual sons. And I, I think that's different than the moment we were just in. Uh, I think we were saying as church leaders, even like, well, I can't, we can't be everybody's dad, you know? So like, it's kind of up to you, Chris, to mature and grow up and seek out all of that stuff for yourself. I think now it's actually, no, we need to just go be spiritual fathers mm -hmm. and, and they're hungry to be led. It's interesting that the authors say that Gen X was cynical about institutions the millennials deconstructed institutions, but Gen Z just doesn't really have an interest in institutions. And they say that lack of interest is good because it means they're not starting from a place of negativity or cynicism or wanting to tear things down. They're starting from like, I don't care as long as I can find a mentor is like, I'm willing to move toward this institution. If it's a place where I can find meaningful engagement. There's a, if you were to sort of take a singular thread through all of these, all five of these, I would, I'd put it in connection, like a, a sincere, genuine connectivity. So if you think of, you know, the pandemic hunger for belonging, even the sense of leadership, like why do you want your leaders to be humble and transparent? Cause there's a authenticity of connection there, peace, but that peace is coming from again, sense of connection. So if, if you kind of look at the through line of all five of these, absolutely see this. I think of the, the Gen Z at our church that aren't in their parents' home, those are those are independent, are largely men at First City Church. And if the the thing that just immediately jumps out when they come is like, I just want genuine relationships with other men. Like there is a, a fatherlessness, there's a friendlessness, and they're if if they experience that, it's just like boom, you got them. So seeing kind of the the overarching thread in this, it's like hundred percent with this article. Ebeth, would you say like what can you talk about among people you know, like your friends in life and, and your peers, uh, the, the geriatric Gen Z folks, <laughs> what do you, what do you see that sort of anecdotally suggests that there is a hunger for spiritual renewal? I guess what I'm, I want to ask, like these authors seem to say, yeah, it's a hunger for spiritual renewal, not just 
belonging, friendship, relationship, connection. I think all those things do, the church provides all of those things in really meaningful ways. But it, but I'm, I'm curious, but convince me that it's actually about a spiritual longing and not just about like, yeah, I, I want to know that people are real instead of fake. So anxiety feels like an obvious answer, but it's like my friends, even those who are believers, but especially those who are not, are just like per- perpetually anxious. And in here it says like, Gen Z is hungry for the very things, the empty, desiccated temples of secularism, consumerism, and global digital media cannot provide, but which Jesus can. So what makes me think that they're primed for spiritual renewal is that they have tried literally everything else to, in a way that is, you could say that for any generation, any human, but when every possible answer is at your fingertips all the time Mm. and you've literally tried all of them, it's like, there kind of becomes a point where they're like, where, where spirituality or some sense of religious comfort is there, but where we know it's like they're primed for spiritual renewal because the only thing that can satisfy this is Jesus. And so anecdotally, I think even my time in college when I was a senior, so then everyone younger than me would have been for sure Gen Z, um, is it was just like the nobody was confident in leading with a thought or an opinion because they were so worried that it wasn't going to be like what everyone else thought. And not well, somebody's going to record it and put it on TikTok and yeah. make fun of them. Yeah. Where it's like, where, well, what, do, and I was also in journalism school, right? So it's like, if you're going to sit, you're, if you're going to get canceled anywhere in college, <laughs> it's going to be there in journalism school. And it was like, I'm not going to say what I actually think because I need to hear what other people are saying about this first. And so there's just like this perpetual anxiety was, just like, it's like in school and everything mm. where you're like, I'm discussion boards. I'm not even going to give real answers. I'm going to play it safe because the worst thing that could happen to me is just that like people will think I am, I don't know, like hateful or like, I don't even know. I just think the anxiety mm. is like, of course, this generation is primed for spiritual renewal. Like the church needs to capitalize on that because we know mm. that the only answer that can help them is like, what we have, you know, mm. that reminds me of Parker's experience when he was getting his master's, like everything she was just saying was what he said to you yeah. about like, well, I just kind of need to do the thing to get the degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, and I, there's yeah. a lot of self censorship. Cause you know that like, well, there's certain, there's a party line you mm-hmm. just have to say in order mm-hmm. to do the thing and, you know, get through the school. Yeah. And I mean, it very much is sort of like a self censorship, I guess is the best way of saying mm-hmm. it, because who knows if the idea I would put out there anyway is going to be loved yeah. or hated. Yeah. Like there's, and there's wisdom in that too, where you're like, you have to draw a line of here's where I would for sure speak up, say something, risk, you know, not being, not even not being enjoyed by the people around me, but being like kicked out of something. And then just, man, that's just a really different opinion than I have. And I just got to bite my tongue. Which leads me to a, a deeper spiritual hunger, yep. which gets me to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question kind of similar and related to what Bob asked. So one of the things that I've, I've been curious with as I've engaged a number of Gen Z, again, particularly guys. And even what's reflected in here is there's a hunger for something. Mm-hmm. And, and often when I'm in the, my, the conversation, what would occur to me is, man, you want Jesus to do something for you. Like they, you, like you were saying, they're trying these different things and they want this effect, whether it's peace or sense of connection. But the thing that I'm asking, my, asking myself is, do they understand that 
it's not just about getting something from Jesus. There's actually submitting your life, like that Jesus is King. So in your experience, or what would you say to a pastor like me, who's trying to help someone from Gen Z come to this realization that, Hey, the gospel isn't look at all that Jesus can do for you, which mm-hmm. he does all of those things, but it really is about following him. Make, like you're submitting yourself to someone above you. So how to like, yeah, give me some wisdom. on like how to navigate those, that kind of conversation. One, I think with men in our generation, one of the things you have to know about Gen Z is that, and I mentioned this one time, is that pretty much their whole lives, people have expected less of them than generations before. Like good or bad, people have tried to make things easier, whether it's Mm. parents or teachers, Um, digital school has done this, all of these types of things where life is just easier. So especially with men, I notice who are my age and younger, calling them to something greater that is harder then even if you're like, I don't know that you'll be able to do this well, that I'm going to be the one to challenge you to do this. I feel like one, that helps in just character development. Two, that helps them see a need and a, wow, I'm really, there are a lot of things that I can't do on my own. Mm. I'm like, I need to stretch myself. Nobody's ever pushed me. Nobody's ever expected much of me. Um, So within the church, I feel like that looks like encouraging men to be that and to lead in that way yeah. Um, yeah. as a pastor too. And then um, because a lot of that is just, you know, if all, if things come so easily to you, of course, Jesus is, it's, but he's just going to give you things and there's nothing expected in return until you understand that pretty much just on your own. You're not, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not, life is not as easy as I thought it was. And I'm not as great as I thought I was, but also at the same time, I don't feel like I'm great. I feel kind of anxious and depressed yeah, and whatever, yeah. but I think just calling because it's if this if Gen Z goes down to eleven years old, that's that's pretty formative ages still, right? Where people my age, yeah, we've kind of we're out of the house, we're married, we're doing other things. But eleven, twelve, thirteen, give people hard tasks, expect big things of sons and daughters, and you know, kids. So that's what I'd say. Ebeth, do you think the future of Gen Z is more digital or less digital? Like, is there a backlash against digital or is it just sort of like, this is the world we live in now. We kind of all have to be on the Instagram doing all the things. It's the same amount of digital because that's even in the way, if you take out social digital is here to stay commerce wise, just the way that we relate to people outside of our own vicinity, different countries, all those different things. But what is going to change is if you think about it, this is also, these are the next couple years where we'll start to see Gen Z as parents. I got, I was thinking about this. I got Facebook when I was in eighth grade, but my parents had never had social media, right? So they're like, we don't know the possibilities of Facebook. Also, it was different. I had to be on the desktop computer. I had 15 minutes, right? You like message a friend and hope they message you back in 15 <laughs> minutes. Otherwise, I'll see you at school tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> different than an 11 year old who has a phone in their pocket. This is... They shouldn't because they're only 11. Yeah, they no phones should, in their pockets. No phones. Different um, podcast. But what I'm thinking is like when I, since I've grown up with social media and with digital influence, that will change the way that I parent. Mm. And for most people, I think that will make them stricter. I don't, I think that they will still allow digital influence because they'll understand that's pretty much impossible in today's world to get away from. But people my age, Christian or not, this is very anecdotal when I've worked in I remember when I was in college and I worked in daycares and when I, you know, nannied, it was, that was the thing. It was like, no, my kids will not, they will not have access to this for a long time. It's, I feel like it's going to be easier for Gen Z parents to say no, because they understand the implications of not just being on social media, but growing up with that digital influence and that, 
that point number, what was it, number four in here of um, digital self-projection and curation. And it's like you, it's just not healthy. And we felt the felt that growing up. And so I think you go, yeah, naturally I'm going to try to protect my kids from that. So I think that's one encouragement that I see from Gen Z, um, especially those who are Christians, is there's just no, it's easy to say, yeah, my kids are going to miss out. But they're also going to miss out on, you know, 100% access to pornography and music that I don't want them to listen to or like bullying and, you know, just being influenced to buy a bunch of stuff. So yeah, they're going to miss out, but I think it's okay (laughs) on what they're missing out on. And there's a bunch of non-Christians that Mm -hmm. have that same sentiment. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see all sorts of articles right now on how even the secular world and the culture are saying, hey, uh, actually guys, hey, heads up, phones are kind of bad for anybody younger than eighth grade. Yeah. I'm also curious, Yveth, do you feel like the connection between that persistent anxiety you were talking about and digital media, how strong is that connection? I feel like there's people like Gene Twenge who have said, like, you can absolutely document that those two things are related. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just curious, like, again, anecdotally, what do you see being the connection that the, of the, the sort of like very online social media driven universe feeding some sense of sort of the anxiety? Uh, well, one, I see the connection 100% whether I've deleted social media, because I've gone like, I've done like a two year complete hiatus, noticed a huge difference. And then when I came back, it really changed the way that I interacted when it came back. But one I would say is access, like access to information. And you can find a million studies on this, but like we just can't know, even adults cannot know all of the things that are going on in the world all at once with this much information. So especially not kids too. Um, you're being exposed when you think about like the comparison trap that middle school and middle schoolers and high schoolers across every generation have, have gone through mm-hmm. is not only are you comparing yourself to the, the people that you actually physically see every day, but there are hundreds and hundreds. And then if you can do reels or TikToks, those are literally never ending. So thousands potentially of other people and the algor- algorithm knows you. So they know your age. So they're going to give you people who are your age or in the same life stage. And so it's like, if you're, that's, that's anxiety right there. It's immediate comparison. Um, everything is also advertisement. This is when I was talking earlier about they can't see through the curation. It's the same thing with ads. They're not marked. They don't, you know, it's not a pause in your TV show where you're like, clearly I'm watching advertisements. I can walk away and do whatever. It's like this girl that I follow in her skincare routine. Well, this just looks like a fun little get ready with me video, but she's being paid to feature all of these products. But if you're 14 years old, you don't notice that, you don't see that. Um, Mm. And so that's anxiety when you're being sold to all the time, but you don't know that is giving you anxiety because it's, it's, it's taking a need and like pressing your thumb into it. But when you're Gen Z, um, even my, I mean, I, I still am like now though I'm, you know, pregnant and it's baby products. And I'm like, if I don't get this, is this going to be, Yeah. oh no, you know? And I'm like, wait, 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 one, what are they trying to do? But when you're when you're young, you don't know, you don't, you don't ask the question, is somebody trying to sell me something or what does this person gain if I do what they're asking me to do? Mm. Only adults can do that. Even adults aren't good at that. So. And so what I hear you saying there is like, you, you even have to work at that being a conscious decision. Yeah. And we all, we're all doing that, but especially Gen Z has to do extra work there. Mm -hmm. You know what we're selling on this podcast? 
the Lord. Snacks. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That's what I like to say. Dusty's this podcast voice. is sponsored by yeah. no one. So and I'm noticing, keep it free from I'm those noticing that the one time I'm on this podcast, there are no snacks. So that's kind of <laughs> it's yeah, Chris's you, fault. Should, you should be disappointed. It's Chris's fault. I go sorry. away for a month and the snack game just falls People off the cliff. Yeah. It's okay. I'm sorry that you are not experiencing snacks right now. That is I, a I failure. Left, failure on the part of our listeners. And I want them to feel rebuked. What do you guys think about the pandemic creating a hunger for belonging? Is that the case for everybody or is that the case specifically for Gen Z in a particular way? I mean, I do think it's somewhat particular. Now, I think the pandemic is going to have ongoing effects for every everybody who went through it. You know, there's I was just talking to somebody who said that kids, like young kids are now coming into school who went through the pandemic at age 2 or 3 and like Teachers are noticing like, oh man, these kids have some serious gaps in their readiness for school. So I, you know, I think you're seeing it across the board, but you know, Dusty, like my daughter graduated from high school during a pandemic. It was really hard because it was like, yeah. she didn't have a normal graduation. You know, and I, th I think people just feel like, oh yeah, that was kind of a sucky time to go through life. Yeah. And so there's this desire of like, well, let's never go back to that. Like whatever that was, yeah. I think it really did surface a reality of like, oh, it's good to be connected to people. It's good to be able to be face to face with people. It's good to belong and it does seem to me like there is a connection there for especially the older cohort of Gen Z that having had that experience of really deep isolation, it makes the hunger for belonging a little stronger. Uh, and if you think about if there's already a distrust in institutions or mm -hmm. like a general, just like, I don't really care. And during COVID, a lot of, I think about like college ministries and different things like that, that pretty much died because they couldn't meet and are now having to be rebuilt. Well, if there's no buy-in for the importance of institutions from the generation who's supposed to be helping rebuild the institutions, like you're going to be at a little bit of like a, we're just kind of at neutral. And so I think that's, that's part of it. So that's the unique aspect for Gen Z is that they were, in, are supposed to be in the most social time of their life during the pandemic. And now they're left to help rebuild a thing that they don't know if they believe in, you know? And so that's a, that'd be a big thing. But then also there, there's the invitation for churches to step in and say, you know, not at least, at least they're just neutral toward institutions, right? Like we can help rebuild this stuff. We can help create a place for community and connection. If we know you're not engaged anywhere else and, and, you know, through just quality relationships and discipleship that should flourish. Ebeth, besides your exhortation to us earlier about like, Hey, call dudes in Gen Z to more. What are some other things that church leaders need to hear us around this table as your pastors, but uh, just in general for those, those other people who are listening in, what are some other things that us old guys, if you will, air quotes, old heads. just need to know, like where you're just kind of like, guys, if you would just do this, it'd be pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, one, what I was thinking about this Gen Z is like generations are just things that we have put in place, right. right? Where it's like, <laughs> they're not Gen, the Bible. Gen Z are God's people, right? Right. So the lost ones, the found ones, all of them, um, don't be afraid of Gen Z just because their world is so different than yours. I think about student ministry or just your role as pastors where you're like, Hey, just approach Gen Z as Gen Z, like the context for what, how they're growing up, their digital landscape, all those things are helpful in relating to them, but it doesn't change the way that we interact with them. You know what I mean? So what you're saying is, is I don't need to get a cool Instagram account 
to impress all the young kids in Gen Z no. to talk to them. Because they're also the most judgmental and they'll call you chuggy. Oh, or, wow. But okay. even that word is out. They'll call you other things. Like they, the worst thing that Gen Z can be is cringy. Like they don't want to, they don't like yeah. to have people do cringy things around them. <laughs> and they don't yes. even want, they, they probably don't even like the word cringy, right? But it's just like, like they're, it's the obsession with, it's not just my digital presence. It's also my regular presence. So you should not get, try to have a cool Instagram Yeah, they, or they can see through oh, oh, yeah. any, any posturing. Any, oh, yes. Any sense of a, yes. attempt at, hey, I'm trying to connect with you and this is not how no, I normally am. <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to connect with you. Yeah. So don't, yeah. So don't try to be relevant to Gen Z, accept your fate. Except the fact <laughs> that they probably think you're uncool, but that doesn't mean they don't respect you yeah. and that they won't listen to you. I think yeah, that's, that's the good. problem is you're like, don't try to be cool to young kids. Just, just bring the gospel because yeah. the gospel's yeah, cool. Yeah, thank okay? you for saying that. And that Praise actually, that actually jives with how they're looking for mentors yeah. because they're actually just looking for you to be yourself yeah. in whatever age bracket you are. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. That's, that's good news for you. Me, what we should have been doing all along. <laughs> just be yourself. It is good news. Uh, thankfully, since we all, since you and I have kids that are Gen Z, we're not under the impression that we're cool in any way. So yeah, that's just humbling, have, right? We there. have kids to keep us real, man. Mm -hmm. I I want listeners to be encouraged that that God is doing things among younger generations and among the younger people in your church and in the church, because I think that sometimes with the reality of everybody being so online and with the the whole like massive information that you were talking about, Ebeth. I think people can start to sort of get very pessimistic about like, I mean, I, you know, is the Lord at work? What's going to happen to my kids? We, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about, you know, de-churching beginning at home. And so I think there's parents even, they're like, man, you know, are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to make it? The good news is like, yeah, hey, your kids are actually primed yeah. for spiritual renewal. Um, and God's doing some really powerful things among them. And I think that's, good news for the church, but also, like you said, Chris and Ebeth, invites us to a certain kind of leadership and mentorship and pursuit. So let's not miss the opportunity to celebrate what God is doing yeah. among Gen Z, to speak vision and honor into them in ways that they deserve it, mm -hmm. and to sort of invite them and call them forward into uh, the future of leadership in the church, because we want to see God do powerful things among this group of people. And I like what you said, Ebeth, that like sometimes I don't like even to talk in terms of generations because it feels yeah. very markety. You know, it feels yeah. like yeah. feels like advertisers looking for like the 18 to 25 and the 25. It's like they're yeah. carving everybody up into decades anyway. And so I just like thinking about people as human beings. Yeah. But I do think it's helpful sometimes to think yeah. about the ways that they differ. Well, and think when you all were in high school, did you even know what generation you were a part of? No. Like, no. did you subconsciously? Yeah. Was no, that no. language that you use all the time? Whereas Gen Z now is so aware of the fact that they are Gen Z. I was part of the hip hop generation, you Beth. That's yeah, what that's yeah, the that's only right. generation yes. that matters. The the yeah. generation. Yes. So, well, so we, that's important. You know, the thing they're <laughs> they're inundated too with like, I am Gen Z. This is who Gen Z is. It's part of their identity because we've made it part of their identity too. So the, this article highlights they're not cynical about institutions. Is there is that a general non-cynicism overall? Is that Would you say that that's kind of just in general, there's not the same cynicism as other generations? Yeah, and, and it's a mistrust too. So I, I, did, I did a little research. So there's a, there was a Gallup poll that, that they, and they rank 
they rank trust in institutions among generations. And Gen Z's is super interesting because they their number one that they trust the most, the institution is science, which is not surprising, especially post-pandemic, where sure. they're young in that. Um, the medical system is next, followed by the military, which is really interesting. But the ones that they trust the least are presidency, the news, Congress, and then large tech companies, which is interesting because they are large tech companies' biggest market. Yeah. But once again, you're not seeing that connection. So I think there's like a, it's not like a cynicism. Yeah, correct. Like other generations, it's just truly like, you just got to prove, you just have to prove something to me. Yeah. And if you can prove that thing to me, then I'm bought in pretty it much. Prove that it's authentic. It's yes. real. It's true. You're not yeah. lying to me, Yeah. So which you, is a good thing to say, Hey, I need you to prove this to me. Yeah. And for the church, you're like, that means that we have to have healthy people in our church who are willing to step out into those relationships because the proof is in the quality of a relationship of just that's what it is. Yeah. You know, there, there's not like we're not offering them something more than just man, like an actual connection, which Christians should be able to do really, really well. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful to consider because if you think of the posture kind of even apologetically of how you're entering in, if there's an assumption that someone's cynical, that, that might adjust, not, not entirely, but it might adjust a little bit of how you're, you're going to try to engage. But if it's, if it's not so much cynicism, but it is, Hey, just, I'm looking for authenticity. I want to know you're real here. That can also be helpful sort of as you think about the, the way to posture yourself or kind of think of those inroads. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I know my default can be is to assume cynicism. And I think again, that's probably partly because of <laughs> that's we're generation, my, X, yeah, generation X, but that, that I'm, I'm always like, if there's someone who's skeptical or someone who's maybe young in their faith or whatever, there, there's a cynicism I have to overcome where this is, it's not so much that it's just more they're working through, is this real? Is this authentic? Or am I being lied to? Yeah. And, and so it's, yeah, that, that's a helpful distinction. When you think of like Gen Z's brain, I think of this at, at church and you think they've arrived at a destination of what they think about your church or anything or, or what you're teaching, just see their like confused look as like pending. Like they're literally just waiting. They're just waiting for the thing. Like Dusty said, low bar, invite the pe- invite Gen Z in. They will be there. They won't trust it. And then until it's proven. And then it's like, well, what's being proven, quality connection. And then like, you know, are you guys being, are you who you say you are? That's good. I was really encouraged by my son, uh, his, the ministry he's a part of just down the road in Lincoln. Last year, there was 300 ish students at their fall retreat. And this year there were 600 students at their fall retreat. And to your point there, Ebeth, I think they just want to be invited to something. So Mm -hmm. Whereas like a decade ago, it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I want to come to your thing. You're kind of into Jesus. Now they're like, yeah, sure. I'll come to your thing. And then I'll let you know when I'm out. You know, yeah. if I don't like it, I'll let you know. Yeah. And then they end up getting converted and baptized. You know, it's Praise beautiful. the Lord. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. There's hope. Yeah. All right. Well, um, thanks for uh, engaging this topic with us, Ebeth. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for helping us think about uh, how Gen Z is primed for spiritual renewal. The goal of this podcast is to equip our own church for discipleship and mission. So if you're a Christian or a church leader in another context, we thank you for listening in. And we pray that this conversation might be helpful to you as you minister in your context. We always love to hear from listeners. So if you have thoughts, questions, or future podcast topics, send an email to podcast at cdomaha.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Wednesday Conversation.